Welcome to the Teachers Matter podcast, where we share stories, strategies, and wisdom to inspire your teaching and enhance your life. We'll go beyond the theory by sharing tips, tools, and actions that will help you to create a positive difference in your life at home and school. With your hosts, Karen Tui Boys and Megan Gallagher. Hi, and welcome. Hey, Karen and I have been talking just recently. We've, we both coach teachers, and one of the things that we've found that people uh, struggle with at times is time management. And so we thought we might spend today just sharing some tips and strategies around how we can manage our time a little bit better. Yeah, it's a big deal. There's so much happening as teachers. It's all consuming sometimes. You can never get to the bottom of the to-do list. So we've put together some tips, some strategies, some ideas to be able to help. So Meg, you start with your first one. Okay, so one of my first ones is around reducing distractions. For me, I'm, I'm a very easily distracted person. So I've actually put some, some techniques into my own life or some, some boundaries, really. And one of them is putting time limits on apps and devices. So if you go into your settings, most, most phone settings have, have this, I think. You can go in and you can actually give a time limit to how much time you're going to spend on specific apps. So, for example, I have a time limit of depending on the day, 30 to 60 minutes on Facebook. Because I could be scrolling endlessly for hours if I didn't have the time limit there. Now, I can always override that time limit, but what it does is it sends me a little message saying, hey, guess what, you've finished your time on on Facebook today, and I have to then make a decision. And it reminds me, I've just actually dedicated 60 minutes of a day to to being on, on social media. I probably need to look at how I'm what I'm going to do next and turning off notifications as well so that when we are working on on planning or on a specific task we're not getting the ping 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 which pulls us away from that task and then we're doing that split focus thing which isn't good for our brains so that's my first tip. I also just want to add to that I also turn off spell check when I'm just doing a a draft of information or a email or just you know want to type in a whole lot of information turn off the spell check because every time that little red wiggly line goes under I stop and I think oh I've got to fix that word or find out how to spell that word or you know do whatever I need to do and it takes me away from my flow so once I've finished the document or once I've finished what I think I want to write then I put the spell check back on and again that's just a simple little strategy to be able to keep yourself focused if you're working in a document. Great stuff. Another one that I love is the idea to prioritize your tasks so if you've got a to-do list, then just prioritize them. What's A, B, C, and D tasks? So A needs to be done today, probably, or urgent. B needs to be done, but not so urgent. C could wait till tomorrow, and D if I ever get around to it. So label your tasks A, B, C, D, and then take all your A tasks and number them. Which out of your A tasks is the most important one to do today? So then label that A1 and then A2, A3. And so then you've got an order now. And then you simply just work on A1 until it's finished. 
And I do this a lot. And I find that as you probably do as teachers, we get interruptions, people are coming into our classrooms, these phone calls, there's just things that happen all the time. And sometimes it takes me what feels like all day to get A1 done. But as soon as I've done it, I move on to A2 and this becomes a bit of a momentum that starts to happen. And there's that success feeling of, yay, I can cross something off my list. Uh, and you get that dopamine burst, which is great. And But then I'm like, okay. And it just gives you that momentum and that pattern to keep moving. And if you don't get them today on your list, then you move them to tomorrow and you go A, B, C, D again. And, you know, you just keep reordering them and renumbering them. And obviously, if they keep going over to the list day after day after day, either it's not important or it's not urgent yet. So something to think about. And I loved Winston Churchill's thing about eating a frog before breakfast. He would do the hardest thing he had on his list first because everything else after that was easy. I quite like that one too. So if there's something that you have been putting off and putting off and putting off, maybe shift it a little bit further or take it off the list altogether. So make a choice about that thing. You know, is it actually worth doing? Yeah. I think one of the other keys there is to make sure you put yourself on the list. Oh, yeah. Do you want to say something about that, Meg? Yeah, I think it's really important. You know, like when we talk about teacher well-being, and you will have heard us say this before, you know, happy, healthy teachers tend to have happier, healthier classrooms where our students do better academically, socially and emotionally. So if we want to be doing our best in our classroom, then one of the most important things we need to do is attend to our own health and well-being. And so it might be a simple thing like making sure that you've got a full water bottle with you during the day and you're going to drink that water bottle, water bottle by the end of the day. That might be something you put on your list or it might be around movement. So making sure that you move or it could be about having 10 minutes of quiet, peaceful time that you carve out into your day. There's nothing else happening in that time where you can do some mindfulness practice or do some stretches or something that makes you feel a little bit more centered and so then you're better able to deal with the stresses and the, and the struggles that we have in, in a regular teaching day. I want to mention what's called Parkinson's Law. And Parkinson's Law is that the task you have will stretch to the time that you have to do it. So if you've got 20 minutes to do a task, it'll take you 20 minutes. But if you've got an hour to do that same task, it'll probably take you an hour. And I bet you've experienced that. So making sure you create a time frame around when you're going to do these tasks and how long you've got for each task. Sometimes they take a little longer, but sometimes it actually helps to be able to uh, put that time frame in and go, I'm going to give it 20 minutes and put a timer on perhaps, put a, a um, time frame on it and then just go for it. And I'm always surprised when I do this, how, how focused I can be in that 20, 25 minutes. And actually speaking of that, that makes me think of the Pomodoro effect as well, which I know that you've used in creating the iStudy alarm. Yes, um, and it's, it's an incredible thing. I remember when I was studying um, and doing my master's research and I had like this huge stack of readings to do, you know, reading other people's research to do my lit review. And it was one of those really yucky tasks. 
And I'd originally sat and worked through, you know, I'd do one whole paper, then I'd have a, a break. But I might only get one whole paper read a night, and that was really inefficient. So what I did was I took on this Pomodoro effect, or, or took on this strategy using this effect. So basically, you set your alarm for 20 to 25 minutes, and I read for that time and highlighted and did all that thing. The minute the alarm went off, I stopped, I changed focus, I did something like, you know, go and read a book to my son or go and surf, surf the net for a little bit or go outside, do some deep breaths, wander around the garden. And then I'd come back in five, 10 minutes later and then I'd carry on reading. And what I found was that I actually could sustain that effort for far longer and I actually read more in a far more focused way by doing that than I did by just trying to soldier through and do one whole piece in what seemed like for hours. And I think that's that part of that Parkinson's law as well, because the time limit wasn't there. And so it just took so much more energy. So Meg mentioned my eye study alarm. If you have uh, teenagers who are studying, it's designed on the same sort of idea. I use it when I'm working as well. It times you for 20 minutes. It gives you a revision break and it gives you a five minute break. So it's completely free. Download it onto uh, your teenager's phone. And it also has 27 study tips embedded within it. So a wee plug there, uh, all free. So uh, you can get those. I love the idea of creating more time because sometimes we go, oh, I just don't have any time. And so what if you carved out an hour a day, one hour a day that maybe you're going to use for yourself or one hour a day that you're going to dedicate towards a certain strategy or something that you're going to be doing. Maybe it's your planning. Maybe it's spending time with your children. Maybe it's quality time with your partner. Maybe, I don't know what it is, but just if you carve out one hour a day, uh, that would give you seven hours a week. And if you did that every day for a year, it actually equates to 15 extra days per year that you would have to achieve something. Because I hear people say, oh, I could never write a book or I haven't got time for this or I haven't got time for me. But you see, what are you doing that you could stop doing for an hour a day and you could do something, maybe it's you sleep less an hour a day. We want to get enough sleep, but or maybe it's you stop the scrolling or maybe you pre-prepare meals so that you don't have to be cooking every day and then get, that gives you your hour a day. Uh, but 15 extra days per year is just incredible to be more productive and have better time management. Wow. So that extra hour that you spend scrolling or watching that TV program that you're not really interested in. I know. It's just such a simple technique. And but you just got to have that discipline to say, hey, I'm worth this. I'm going to carve out this hour today. And I think that's that leads us to thinking about boundaries as well. So putting sort of, uh, rules for living around uh, into our lives so it might be boundaries around how much time we spend on social media it might be boundaries around when somebody asks us if we can do something you know often that, that old story if you want something done ask a busy person maybe we have a boundary around that where we don't immediately say yes because as people pleasers and lots of teachers are our, our natural response is to say yes but instead of that, we can say something like, I'm not sure. Can I have a think about it and I'll get back to you? Now, that's not saying no. So it protects us from feeling like we're a bad person and that self-judgment stuff. 
but it also buys us space to actually think about what we're going to be saying yes to. And I love this statement, and I can't remember who talked about it, but I remember hearing somebody once say, when you say yes to something, think about what you're saying no to. So when I say yes, I'll, somebody comes and asks me to do something, I say yes straight away, then what am I saying no to? What am I not, am I not going to be able to do now because I've said yes to this thing? And is it worth letting that thing go? And getting really clear around that, I think, is certainly I know it's made a big difference in my life. Just being able to say, I'll get back to you. And the really interesting thing is, nine times out of 10, when you say to somebody, I'll get back to you, they usually solve the problem themselves. Oh, isn't that the interesting part? (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. One of the boundaries that I have seen many teachers do, which I absolutely love, is putting boundaries on email because that can just be all consuming. And actually, I saw a principal when I emailed him, I got an email back that said, I check my emails three times a day between 8.30 and 5.30, and I will endeavor to get back to you within 48 hours. And uh, really clear boundaries of Mm -hmm. This is what I do. This is how I operate. Because, And then you've got to stick to those boundaries, of course, because if you suddenly email a parent back at 10.30 at night, then uh, you've just ruined your boundary and they're going to go, well, I heard last night. And they're like, oh, I didn't think they did anything at 5.30. And then everyone's going to be emailing late at night. But put those boundaries in and say, hey, this is my time. This is when I do my work. This is when... um, I look at my emails and rather than getting distracted with them all the time as well, but put those boundaries in. And I think it's also about knowing when, when it's enough, when we're doing something, you know, like, and this is about probably personal boundaries and honoring your promises you make to yourself. For example, if you say, I'm going to go home at five o'clock today and you're putting up a wall display and you get down off the ladder and you look up and one of the, pictures is a little wonky and I know for some of us it's like nails down a chalkboard if it's going to be really totally and utterly visually uncomfortable for you and you're not going to be able to live with it then it's probably worth the five minutes of going back up and fixing it but if it isn't and if you can live with it then leave it because mm-hmm. it's not that important so my boss he uses this lovely word satisficing And he says that he often uses us around parenting. He said, you know, as parents, we really need to be satisficing. I'm like, what does that mean? And he goes, that's being good enough. Not needing to be perfect because nobody is. It's just about knowing that it's good enough. So it's like, you know, the Pinterest perfect classrooms. For my money, I kind of think that that doesn't look like people live in them. (laughs) So and, And so for us to be aiming for that, when it actually doesn't enhance our teaching and make the learning better for our children, we're actually putting ourselves under unnecessary stress and creating more work for ourselves than we need to. And I know you talk about the um, scrolling through Pinterest for ideas, don't you, Karen? Yeah, we, you know, we're looking in on social media or on Pinterest or on somewhere for an idea in our classroom and we get to the idea which looks great and then we think, oh, I wonder if there's a better one. Stop, stop, just stop when you get to the one that's going to be okay, satisficing. It's going to be, it's good enough. It's going to work for my process. And then 
just uh, use that because you can actually end up going down that rabbit hole of, you know, half hour, an hour of scrolling, looking for another idea and hardly any time do you actually find a better idea. It's like that one will do. I will adapt that. I will change that. I will do that. But I do need to say, Meg, I need to do the, the confession that I was the teacher putting up the displays that ran the string line and measured between each of the paintings to ensure they were perfect because I like things to look good. And then I realized that, you know, I didn't have a good time management. I was spending so much time doing all these displays and I was exhausted. And then I went, actually, do they really need to be that perfect? And so it took a while. So this is confessions. You know, I had to go to therapy, not quite. But I uh, had to let go of that. My display is looking absolutely perfect. And if it was slightly crooked, not straight, it was like, okay, it's fine. I can live with that. So I took the string line away. I took the rulers away and just started to be okay with how it came out. And it's actually about being able to choose and I know this this rankles for some of us, choose to lower our standards a little with the things that don't make the difference or with the things that don't matter so much. Mm. And picking and choosing what matters and what makes the big difference. You know, like, honestly, if you had all the time in the world, then you would do everything. But we don't. We've got, how many minutes do we have a day or seconds? I can't remember. 86,400 seconds per day. That's what we've got. We don't have a million seconds per day. So we need to use the the 86,400 that we've got as well as we can. And sometimes that means that we need to, like you say, Karen, let some stuff go. Yeah. As hard as as it feels. Because it's not a reflection of who you are. I think that's the key part, right? Often Mm. I I wanted it to look perfect because I wanted people to think I was perfect. Well, I've definitely let go of that. (laughs) I'm definitely not perfect and I don't need you to think I am. So uh, (laughs) tell us, Meg, I love what you do with your teacher planning and how you plan different things on different days. Can you give us an example of that? Yeah, and I actually had to put this boundary into place for myself because I was planning and researching every night and that wasn't healthy so what I do now is Monday is maths day because it both starts with M so I can remember and so I will do my maths planning for my groups in my class on Mondays I also plan during the day but I'll talk about that in a minute Thursday is literacy and so then I plan for the next week for literacy so that's my reading writing maths oral uh, reading writing oral language all that stuff, and writing and things. On Friday, I do the children's reflections and I write a secret message for them. This is a little bit of a thing we have in our class that Mrs. G writes a secret message at the end of the week for each child. And I'm actually uh, shifting that practice to not doing it after school, but doing it when the children have done their reflections and they bring them to me to show me. I actually write my secret message in there with them at that time. So that's actually easing up my after school time and making the secret message more meaningful because I can actually read it to them at that time so they get the immediate feedback. In the weekend, I have um, recently brought in a rule. So Saturday is no work day, and that's a rule that I now have. And so Sunday is my day that I will do menu planning for the week because I see that as actually part of my work because it eases up my, my life a little bit. So I do menu planning. 
and I do my week plan. I do the concept work that we're doing. Often in that time, I will also be doing the independent learning uh, system that we have running. I set that up for the week for the kids as well. So I've got certain tasks I do on certain days, and that really helps. With literacy, I often plan ahead as I'm teaching, um, and I'm doing that with maths now too. So that, that's actually being done again in class with students. Nice. So you're not waking up every morning going, oh, what am I going to do today? And having to think about the day. It's already pre-planned. It's already there. And uh, you can uh, just go to it. Because of course, that first thing in the morning, when your brain is empty, or not empty, but has has more capacity for making decisions. And we want to be making the meaningful decisions that help us throughout our day, rather than having to go back to the menial task of actually just planning every little thing yeah and I think it also gives it gives me the flexibility because just because it's in the plan doesn't mean it has to happen because you know life happens but if I've got you know like say I've pre-planned a maths lesson and for example there's there's a bit of a meltdown that I need to be working with somebody at that time or we have a visitor that arrives that we need to go and see or whatever that plan is still there I can do that tomorrow (laughs) or I can put it in next week so it's not that the pre-planning is wasted time it's all very valuable, even if it doesn't happen exactly as I have planned it. So it's not something that's set in stone that my whole world collapses if I haven't, if I can't um, meet all of those plans that I've put in place. Mm. Yeah. Any other final tips that you've got there, Meg? One of my favourites is having an, an affair with your hobby. <laughs> and this comes from the work of Elizabeth Gilbert, I think it is. She talks about when in her book, Big Magic, And she talks about people, and this goes back to what you were saying before, Karen, about the writing a book or the the taking on a new hobby and people saying, I don't have time. She says, look, people who have affairs manage, and often they have families, they have work, they have community groups they belong to, they're busy people, but they manage to squeeze in 10 minutes here to catch up with their, their, their their love or the person they're having an affair with and they make the most of those 10 minutes they have together and I'm not recommending that people go out and have affairs as a hobby but what I'm saying is if we can treat our hobbies like these people who are having affairs can treat their 10 minutes and we squeeze the juice out of that 10 minutes and we enjoy it and we um, get the most out of that time and once we start doing that what you find is you actually start building um, anticipation for it and you feel like you are giving yourself something that you need which is more than schoolwork and more than um, just being a machine and I think that's you know it's about attending to that human dimension where we need to be more than just our work no. So, yeah, that's my favorite tip. What's one of your favorites, Karen? To avoid multitasking, to just focus on one task at a time, because we absolutely know that the more we try and juggle and do things, the, the longer it takes. So, to really just uh, put that timer on, focus for that moment on just what I'm doing. And, and I've been working really hard lately, personally, on uh, that, you know, you click on something to open up something on your computer on a tab, and it takes that, what, half a second or three seconds for the 
site to load and I've had to work really hard not to go, oh, well, I'll open up this tab and this tab and this tab while I'm there. And then I can't remember what I opened the original tab for. So just to be able to go, wait those three seconds, just take a breath and say, stay focused on the task that is at hand. So that's what I have been definitely working on lately. Well done. <laughs> Such a temptation to flick on Facebook and have a bit of a scroll while you wait, isn't it? It is. And look, it's three seconds and it's like, actually, I don't need to, because when I get to the Facebook, it's not three seconds, right? <laughs> uh, and then I have to go all the way back and start again of what my focus was. So, so teachers, I hope there's something there that you can uh, use. You can let us, again let us know what your favourite time management strategies are, and keep making sure that you put yourself on the list, making sure that you manage your time well because this is our life, and teaching can be all-consuming. But we want to make sure that uh, you can balance and have that work-life satisfaction, which is so so important. Oh yes, because actually, ultimately. What you do matters. Thank you for listening to the Teachers Matter podcast. We're eager to transform the lives of even more teachers and educators. So please remember to like and review the show wherever you listen to this podcast. It really helps. And if you enjoyed the podcast and would like to have more resources and information, head on over and join us at spectrumeducation.com.